Good day and welcome once again to our Bible study. We're going to begin a new chapter today in the Gospel of John, chapter 13. We'll be covering verses 1 through 12, and the title of today's lesson is Jesus Washes His Disciples' Feet. So let's just jump into today's lesson with the first 12 verses. And verse 1 starts off like this. It says, It was just before the Passover festival. And Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus said, do you not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand? No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. Are you clean? Though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you not understand what I have done for you? He asked them. So let's go back up to verse 1. In verse 1, it begins... The Bible tells us right here, the writer John, the Apostle John, St. John tells us it was just before the Passover festival. Now, when we see or we hear this word Passover in the scriptures, in the Bible, two things should come to our mind. The first one, Passover, is also known as the festival of redemption, right? And we said that redemption means there's a price to be paid. So, so we can say that it's a purchase, in other words. It's a change of ownership. So through redemption, which only comes from the shedding of the blood, right? By means of redemption, we become a purchased possession of God. Meaning this, that we will be liberated from our sins. We will be liberated from the bondage of sin in our lives in order that we might become a more useful vessel for the living God. Hallelujah. The second is this, Passover is also known as the shedding of blood. Now, when you think of Passover, you think of death. It's the shedding of blood. Remember, the shedding of the blood is synonymous with what? Death, because that's what you think of. So we can say that the shedding of blood represents death. So when Passover comes, we need to remember the death of the Passover lamb. And the Apostle Paul teaches us this. The Apostle Paul teaches that Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. He teaches that Jesus Christ is the Passover, amen? 
So in this scripture, it's a hint what Jesus is going to do. And what is he going to do? He's going to shed his blood. He's going to die on that cross at Calvary. Why? So we can be free from the bondage of sin. Amen? Let's continue on with this verse. So going back up. It was just before Passover. And Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Now let's focus on that phrase, Jesus knew. See, this is speaking of the present. However, although it's speaking of the present, meaning at that time, right? Jesus knew from the very beginning of time this was going to happen. Remember, there never was a time that Jesus didn't exist. He was always here from the very beginning of time. Now, we know that Jesus knows all. He knows everything. So there was never a time that Jesus didn't know about his calling from his heavenly father. Now, in this chapter, we're going to see a great emphasis being put on the name of the father. Throughout this chapter, Jesus is going to relate to God being his father. Why? Because first, it shows us that they are in unity. It shows us that they are one. Remember, God is human, but he's also God. So it's, it's, it's God and, and human. It's one. It's two parts of the Trinity, right? See, he also wants to show us here. It's not just unity, because they are one. But he wants to show us here about relationship. You see, it's the work of redemption, of his death, that we can also have a relationship with God the Father. In fact, without redemption, you can't have a relationship with God the Father. Having loved his own who are in the world. Now, Jesus is speaking here about us. That there's going to be an emphasis not just upon his death, but the motivation of his death. Why did he lay down his life? He laid down his life for humanity because he loves us. He loves every one of us. Now the question is this. Are we going to respond to the love of God? You see, most people in the world, they don't respond to the love of God. As a matter of fact, what most people do, they reject his love. And the scripture tells us he loved them to the end. So this word end is mentioned several times in the scriptures. You can go in, 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 in the book of Romans. Paul's speaking about the law, and he's speaking about how it's the end of the law. Now, there, here's the problem with that, how he's speaking. There's many people that wrongly interpret what Paul is saying. They think that this law has come to an end. In other words, it's no longer relevant, but that's not true because that's not what Paul's speaking about. When he says to the end, this means through his love, he brings us to the purpose. And the purpose is the goal of the Heavenly Father, right? And what is that relationship? You see, it's only through his death that we can have eternal, eternal redemption. It's only through the shedding of the blood, the acceptance of Jesus Christ in your life, right? That we can be saved, that we can have this eternal redemption. And this is where God wants us to be. Amen. Verse 2. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas. Talking about Judas Iscariot. 
the son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Now, here's a very important truth to understand the scripture. The scripture tells us here that the devil, Satan himself, had already been cast into Judas, into the heart of Judas. So what we see is this. Judas was a man, right, who was possessed with money. He was the keeper, the treasurer, whatever you want to call it, right? The money keeper of the disciples' finances, of Jesus' ministry. We read in another scripture where he would steal from that group. He would steal from that, that money bag. Why? Because he loved money. And because his love for money, it this opened up an area in his life for Satan to enter. So we see that Satan uses Judas for his purpose instead of the purposes of God. Now, what's the message to us in this? This is the message. See, we all have areas in our life where we're weak. So we need to be on guard. We need to be on, in constant prayer, right? We need to be in the Bible. We need to be in the truth. We need to be in the word. We need to be putting God first place in our life. And how do you do that? Through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. You see, if we do these things, then we, we, we're going to see our disobedience toward God and his commandments, and, and we're going to change for the good. Now, how do we see this disobedience? By means of the Holy Spirit, by means of the Holy Ghost, right? Because the Holy Spirit will tell us, the Holy Spirit will show us, the Holy Spirit will prick us, right? It, it makes us walk on a more narrow road that Jesus talked about. You see, if not, then you're going to continue on the road that you're on, that broad road that leads to that wide open gate, that leads to disobedience. And this is going to give Satan more power in your lives by your weak spots, by your thoughts, by your actions, right? And when this happens, Satan now has full control of you. And when this happens with Judas because of his love for money, that's what we see. So we need to be in constant guard about our weaknesses. That's why we need to be in prayer. That's why we need to be in the Bible, the Word of God. Amen? Now, going back to the scripture, it says this evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So we see here that they're eating this evening meal, right? And Satan had already taken control of Judas's heart. He had already betrayed Judas, so to speak, right? Because of his love for money. And we know that because he, 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 he's controlling Judas, what Judas is going to do, he's going to betray Jesus. Why? For money. There was a bribe. They bought him off. That's why we need to be in constant guard. The Bible talks about how we need to wear the armor of God, right? I mean, we, 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 we got to be in prayer. We got to be in study. We got to be in the word. We got to lift and put Christ first in our life. And if we do that, then we're going to walk on that narrow road that leads to that narrow gate that leads to the eternal kingdom. And that's the main goal that God wants us to do. That's his main goal is to, for all of humanity to make it. But we know that's not the case because Jesus says there's only two roads and very few is going to be on that narrow and many on that broad. Which road are you on tonight? Verse three, Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power. And that he had come from God. And that he was returning to God. So we see 
that everything that has been given over to Jesus, right? Right here. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. This tells us Jesus knows that, that God has gave him full power, full authority. What is this in reference to? Well, it's in reference to what we studied already. If you go back to the Old Testament, in Daniel chapter 7, we see a key event in Jesus' life. Because it says that Jesus, Yeshua, went before his heavenly father, which was called the Ancient of Days. And he goes in front of the Ancient of Days, his heavenly father, to inherit all things. Daniel 7, 9. Let's take a look at it. This is Daniel speaking. As I looked, thorns were set in place and the Ancient of Days, that's, that's God, took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, his hair as white as like wool. His throne was flaming with fire. Its wheels were all ablaze. Listen to what Daniel 7, 13, 14 says. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like the Son of Man. That's Jesus. That's Yeshua. That's Messiah. Coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, that's God the Father, and was led into His presence. He, meaning Jesus, the Son of Man, was given authority, glory, and sovereign power of all nations and peoples of every language worshipped Him. His dominion is everlasting and will never pass away, and His kingdom, hallelujah, will never be destroyed. So, the Old Testament, Daniel sees a vision from God. And he says, the Son of Man. He's seeing Jesus go to the Father, the Ancient of Days, and the Father gives all authority and power to Jesus. So this also shows us, right, the obedience of Jesus to his Heavenly Father. That, that, that he's humble. That he's going to his heavenly father. He's being obedient. He's going to do the father's will. He's going to lay down his life. He's going to be resurrected. Amen. Verse 4. So he got up from this meal. Talking about Jesus here. He took off his outer clothing. Some of your Bibles might say he girded himself. And he wrapped the towel around his waist. Now, why did he do this? Because he's taking a servant position. He's teaching us about servanthood. He's teaching us how to be a good servant. How to be one of his disciples. See, this is what he's saying here. The one who is receiving everything from God, right? This is one who is fully God, meaning Jesus right here. He's going to become a servant. So all the power, all authority, everything is given to Jesus. But yet, he gets up from the table. And he's going to show us. He's showing his disciples, but he's also showing us today how to become that great servant that he wants us to be. Remember, he's fully God. But he's also man. And now he's going to become a servant. Now, here's the message that he wants us. To get. If Almighty God, who has 
all authority, who has all power. If Jesus humbles himself and he serves humanity, then shouldn't we do the same? I mean, he's teaching us right here about how to be humble. You see, in order for one to serve, then one must put pride aside. And how does this happen? By being humble. You see, it is for the love of God. It's for the love of God that demands that Jesus serve the way he does. Because if he didn't, then we couldn't experience his love. And without his love of God penetrating through us, touching us, right? Touching our innermost being, touching our innermost souls. We cannot be transformed into the person he wants us to become. We, we can't become that new creation, amen? We can't take on God's character. We can't take on God's attributes, hallelujah? This is what he's teaching us. That's the message for us, that we need to humble ourselves. We need to accept them into our lives. We need to accept them into our hearts, right? Are you proclaiming the good news today? Because Jesus says you must go out publicly and display the gospel message. See, but there's a lot of us right here. We call ourselves Christian. We call ourselves Jesus lovers. But, but, but the minute you go out in public, you won't talk about Jesus. You, you won't... You won't Tell the truth. You won't tell the word because you're embarrassed. But remember what Jesus says. Jesus says, you deny me here on earth, I'll deny you from my Father which is in heaven. But if you acknowledge me here on earth, he says, then I'll acknowledge you in front of my Father which is in heaven. Man, that should hit home with us, people. He's telling us. You need to proclaim the good news. You need to tell, tell people the truth. You can't deny truth. You can't overlook truth. You must follow truth. You must love truth. Amen? Verse 5. After that, speaking Jesus, after he did this, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. So we see what Jesus does this act of servanthood, right? This act of humility. He pours water in a basin. And look what he's doing. He begins to wash his disciples' feet. Now, who is he doing this to? His disciples. And this also includes Simon Peter. You see, Simon Peter, man, he was rough. <laughs> he's rough around the edges now, right? He's always thinking about how, how everything impacts him. That's how that's the character of Simon Peter. Meaning that he's always wanted to take things personally. Now, why do I mention Simon Peter here? Because look at the next verse. Verse 6 tells us this. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, now this is a Simon speaking. Simon Peter says, Lord. Now he calls him Lord. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Are you going to wash my feet? You see, Peter isn't thinking about what Jesus is doing here. Or even better yet, why he's doing it. He's only thinking about himself. You see, Peter didn't want this. Peter didn't want to receive this, right? And maybe a couple of reasons. Because of his character. Because of his personality. Because of a little bit of pride. Maybe he was too embarrassed, right? Why do I say that? 
because of who Jesus was, who Jesus is. Jesus is this great teacher, this great rabbi. Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God. Jesus spoke about truth. And Peter, he confessed this. And he even said this. He said, you are the son of the living God. He had an anointing from God the Father that said that Jesus was the Messiah, the king of Israel, the king above all kings. Amen. You see, he wasn't prepared for Jesus to wash his feet. He, he didn't want this to take place because it was such a humbling event. Now, we need to understand this biblically. And what do I mean? See, the act that Jesus is doing, washing the feet of his disciples, we're going to see there's an emphasis on the washing of the feet concerning cleansing, right? So there's going to be an emphasis on cleansing that Jesus wants us to see here. So what Jesus is doing is that he's showing us his humility, how to be humble. He's also showing us how to be a good servant. And of what it requires, more importantly, to be one of his disciples, to be clean, to be cleansed. So when Peter hears what Jesus is doing, man, Peter says, you like you're going to wash my feet, meaning he, meaning Peter. He's not worthy of this. Verse seven. And Jesus replied. You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. So let's look at that first part of that scripture. Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing. So Jesus says here, man, you don't have the right understanding. Not at this time you don't. Now, when Peter questions Jesus here, he calls him Lord. Go back up to verse 6, right? He says, Lord. Now the question is this. Does Peter really believe that? Because his life should reflect Jesus' lordship, right? I mean, the, the life, his life should reflect the lordship of Jesus. So the question is this, what about you? I mean, we, we call him our Lord, we call him our Savior. But does our behavior, does it reflect his lordship in our life? See, and this is what spiritual maturity is all about, people. See, when a, a person can be saved by simply understanding who Jesus really is, by accepting the work that he did on the cross, by the shedding of the blood, by acknowledging our sins, repenting of our sins, believing that he died and he rose again on the third day. And for 40 days he was on this earth and he ascended to the Father. So we call him Lord, but, but are we really demonstrating this in our daily lives? Now, demonstrating doesn't, doesn't save you. I understand that. It's believing and accepting the work that he did for us on the cross that saves you. It is by grace through faith, the Bible tells us, right? So what the scripture tells us here, right? It tells us that we are to take on his character, to take on his attributes. Once we accept him as our Lord and Savior into our lives. Because of what he did for us on the cross. The work of redemption, the shedding of the blood, hallelujah. So are we going to believe and accept his lordship? But not only accept it, 
but live every area of our life according to his lordship. Amen. And this is what the scripture is challenging Peter with. So going back to the verse, Jesus is telling Peter right now, you don't understand this, what I'm doing. But after this, you will understand. Why do I say that? Because look, but later you will understand. This means what? His death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension into heaven. Now, if Peter really understood, he would have submitted to Jesus right then and there. But this is not what he does. Because look at verse 8. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet into the ages. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. So let's look at that first text. Peter tells Jesus no. So we see here that this text shows us a double negative because he says, no, you shall never wash my feet. So it's a double negative. See, Peter's saying, you're not going to do it. You're not washing my feet, Jesus. Remember, it's too humbling for Peter because it's Jesus. It's, it's the Messiah. It's the Lord. It's the King of Kings. But look what Jesus tells Peter. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. That's some very strong words from Jesus right here. See, if you don't submit to his service, then you have no part of him. If you don't become a servant, that's what he's teaching us. You don't humble yourself. This is a great example and it teaches us biblical truth. This teaches a spiritual principle, a theological doctrine. And what is that? That if someone doesn't accept the ministry of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, of Yeshua HaMashiach, if they don't understand their need of being cleansed, then you're not going to be with him in his kingdom. This is what's that's what he's teaching us. So what about you? What about your servanthood? Are you humbling yourself? Are you serving Jesus? Are you being that disciple that he wants you to be? Because if you're not, then you better change. Because the scripture tells us, Jesus answered, unless I wash you, meaning cleanse. You become cleansed. You serve. You will have no part with me. Jesus said that, not me. You need to serve. You need to accept the service, the ministry of Yeshua. Being humble. Laying your life down to help others, to serve others. Because that's what Jesus did with us. Amen. Then Lord, in verse 9, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Now we see Peter changes his tune a little bit, right? He changes here. So Peter's saying, Man, I want all of me now. I I'm willing to submit everything to you. Now, what about us? What about you? Are you willing to submit things to the kingdom? Are you in prayer? Are you letting that Holy Spirit, that small voice, lead you and guide you? Because God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And I'm not talking about material things. I'm not talking about 
you being glorified or honored because it's not about you. It's about Him. It's about Him. He wants, a, there's a purpose for you that, that's on this earth and it has, it's to attract people to the kingdom of God, to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's your purpose. And it might be through your work. It might be through physical things. But are you willing to accept that? Are you willing to be that servant? Are you willing to serve for the kingdom? Amen. Verse 10, Jesus answered. Those who have had had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body's clean. Are you clean? Though not, every one of you. So when he speaks about when Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet, their whole body is clean. He's speaking about baptism here. This is talking about baptism. That when you become a person in Christ, amen, that you should be baptized, that you should be cleansed. He says, are you clean? Now, when he says, are you clean? Jesus isn't speaking to Peter. He's speaking to all of his disciples. But he's also speaking to everyone listening today. He's speaking to us. Because if you are a believer in Christ Jesus, by the shedding of the blood, by his work on the cross, then we can have a chance to be in the kingdom, to be redeemed. He's talking about us, you become a disciple. And he's also speaking to us today. But look what also he says. He ends it, though not every one of you. See, he's speaking right here about Judas Iscariot. He knows that Judas is going to betray him. So if you go back to the scripture, Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body's clean. This is speaking about you need to become baptized. You need to get cleansed, clean. He says, are you clean? Though not every one of you are, right? See, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, but he's also speaking about Judas Iscariot because he knows what Judas Iscariot is going to do. He knows that the devil is already in the heart and in the person of Judas Iscariot. For he knew who was going to betray him. There it is. Verse 11. And that was why he said, not every one of you was clean. So once again, he's speaking about Judas Iscariot. We also see that this scripture is setting up two different perspectives here. The perspective of the true disciple and one of a false disciple. Verse 12, last verse for today. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you not understand what I have done for you? He asked them. So when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned back to the place, meaning he went back to recline at the table. Now, it's not a table like we eat at today. It was a table that was low. They would sit on the, on, on the floor. They would sit on the ground, and they would, they would recline. So after he finishes washing their feet, he dries everything up. He picks everything up. He goes back, and he sits at the table reclining with the rest of the disciples. He says, do you not understand what I have done for you? He asked them. So he's saying, do you perceive? Do you understand the significance of what I've done? Not just the act. But why I did this act. That's what he's saying. 
In other words, he's telling them, do you understand the revelation of myself, Jesus, to my heavenly Father? And that ends our lesson for today. We're going to be back next week. We're going to continue on and push along in the Gospel of John in chapter 13. We, we really appreciate you all tuning in this week. Uh, you know, go, go be a blessing for someone. Go serve. Uh, love on people. You know, there's, there's a negative world out there, and, and Jesus expects us to be that hope for someone. Uh, an uplifting word, an encouragement word, maybe just doing something for them. And uh, tell people about the goodness of, of, of the kingdom. Tell people about the goodness of, of God, but more importantly, through his son, Jesus Christ, because that's how we save. Amen? Until next week, we love you guys, and God bless.